As children, we were taught to monitor our behavior, but we're often not taught to monitor our hearts. My parents were really good at teaching me how to monitor my behavior. My dad was a snapper. If we would do something wrong, he would snap his finger and point. Boys, and boy, if we didn't straighten up, we knew that there was a price to pay. Boys, you better straighten up. And we straightened up. We knew that our dad meant business. As children, we're taught to monitor our hearts, to monitor our behavior. But rarely are we taught to monitor our hearts. It was kind of a family thing. My uh, papa would say, boys, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to take you to the chicken shed, the chicken coop. And uh, there weren't actually chickens in there anymore, but I remember a time when there was, and he threatened us, and if we didn't straighten up, we knew. I mean, I watched this guy. He was short, stocky, powerful man. He was a truck driver, and, and I knew he meant business. And so when he said, you better stop, you better stop. Uh, and so we did. Never once did were we taken to the wood coop or the chicken coop. As professionals, we do the same. We monitor our behavior. We sometimes monitor our behavior because we're concerned about our professional reputation. As a professional pastor, I monitor my behavior because, well, I want to make a good impression. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want anybody to say evil about the church, and so I monitor my behavior. But rarely are we taught to monitor our hearts. Sometimes we pretend to like people because, well, we should, even though we really don't like them. But the problem with pretending is it's problematic in itself. We ignore the true condition of our heart. You see, we've learned to honor our behavior, but very rarely have we really addressed the issue of the heart. Let me ask you a question tonight. Do you believe that God wants to bring healing and wholeness to your heart? I think everyone in this room, all 60 of you, would say yes. That's generous, probably. Do you think it's possible for God to heal even the hardest and the hardened heart? Do you think it's possible for God to heal even the person whose heart has been so broken, so wounded? Well, the Scripture makes it very clear that He can. And generations ago, in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel chapter 36, 26, we read these words. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will give you a new heart. You see, when we ask Christ into our heart and our lives, He transforms us from the inside out. He gives us a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 
Perhaps you've prayed that prayer, asking Jesus Christ in your heart and your life, and, and, and he's begun to do a work in you. And yet you still struggle with issues of jealousy and anger and greed. And you struggle with guilt. You ever feel guilty for something? These are issues of the heart. Here, I've accepted Christ as my Savior and Lord, and yet I'm still angry. Why am I, Lord, so angry? Well, it's an issue of the heart. And we've struggled with this for many years, and now that Christ has come into our hearts, He begins to transform us and renew our minds and helps us. You know, when I first became a Christian, my language was not always that good. I was in a typical high school setting, and I swore like most teenagers in high school before I became a Christian. I became a Christian in my junior year in high school. And I was a pretty good kid. I was raised in the church, but my family kind of gotten away from the church and went through a divorce, and, and I was involved in things in school and sports and different things and running to parties and doing all that kind of stuff. And, and my language, it, it, I might mean, clean it up when I was around my parents, but uh, when I was with my friends, I spoke just like they did. Well, when I asked Christ into my heart and my life, the language is still there. I mean, it's like, oh, Lord, where did that come from? Well, it came from my heart. You see, that language is in there, and the Lord was working on me, and he was changing me, and he was renewing my mind, but he was also transforming my heart. And it was years. I mean, it was probably ten years of being a Christian before most of that language stopped coming to the front of my mind. It takes a long time for the Lord to really do a work in us. Now, we're saved and we're cleansed and we're forgiven, and yet that past kind of lingers. And God renews our heart. He gives us a heart of flesh, Ezekiel says. You see, Jesus moves into our hearts, but sometimes he is not given full access to our hearts. Sometimes that's one of the reasons why it's hard for us to forgive others because we haven't really given God full access to our heart. It's a heart thing. How's your heart? Matthew chapter 15, verses 18 through 20, we're going to look at this scripture and also one in Proverbs tonight. The scripture says, but the things that proceed out of the mouth come from what? They come from the heart. If you read this scripture, if you examine your life, you can examine your heart simply by listening to the words that come out of your mouth. You see, the words that come out of our mouth are a looking glass into our heart. Have you ever listened to yourself talk? Have you ever had a conversation and you said to yourself, where did that come from? Jesus says, I know where it came from. It came from your heart. And he wants to transform us from the inside out. He wants to transform our heart. And that happens when we live lives totally surrendered to him. And so our heart is a looking glass into our soul. Uh, several months ago now, I was working out at Spies, and, 
And uh, there was a young couple there. I've, I've observed them for the last several years as we've worked out. And they're, they work out together. It's unusual. And Debbie and I and this couple are really the only two that I kind of see as couples. And, uh, and they also uh, are trainers. And they run this Biggest Loser in Fort Wayne. They do it as volunteers. She's a Catholic gal. He's a, he goes to Blackhawk Baptist. They're both Christians. And, and I just observe them. They always are encouraging one another. And they're encouraging to each other. Finally, I, I said to them, let me ask you a question. After I introduced myself and got to know who they were a little bit, let me ask you a question. Are you Christians? And they said, well, why do you ask? I said, well, because the way you treat one another. You see, out of, the ha- out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And often we say, I don't know where that came from. And Jesus says to us, I do. It came from the heart. And so my question for you tonight is, how is your heart? No, no, Jesus, that was so uncharacteristic of me. And Jesus says, no, no, that... You've learned to monitor your behavior, but you haven't yet learned to monitor your heart. You see, we monitor our behavior, but God cleanses our heart. And He wants to continually do a good work in us. Now, we've learned to filter our behavior. We've learned to filter our words so that we can get along, so that we can have good relationships with others. We've learned to monitor, to edit our words. But every now and then, we'll slip and and we'll apologize. And we say to ourselves, I'm going to make sure that never happens again. How many of us have had conversations with our spouse, with family members, and wish we could just take it all back? That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant at all. Every one of us. I mean, honestly, every single one of us have these conversations. We've learned to monitor our behavior, but are we listening to our heart? For out of the heart, heart, the mouth speaks, the Scripture says. Let me ask you a question tonight. How is your heart? Verse 18 of Matthew 15 says, But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. For out of the heart, the mouth Out of the heart comes evil thoughts, to which we say, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Evil thoughts come from our mind. They don't come from our heart. And Jesus says, no, evil thoughts come from your heart. Yeah, I I get that. And I, I edit my thoughts. I edit my thoughts. I monitor my thinking. And Jesus reminds us, no, it's a problem of the heart. So how's your heart? You know, I worked as a youth pastor for a majority of my ministry, 25 plus years as a youth pastor. And uh, Brad knows this. I was at the Springdale Church of the Nazarene. And when I went there, several of the teens were really um, very unruly. They were a very large youth group and they were undisciplined, if you will. We merged two youth groups. Uh, There was a junior high youth group and a senior high youth group, and and they called me to be the pastor of both. And they had a reputation. Whenever they would go to a hotel, they would 
get kicked out. I mean, they were so bad that they, I mean, they had a terrible reputation. And uh, we went on a retreat, and, and kids would, you know, they would do the wedgies and the swirlies and the shaving cream, and, and they would have wads of toilet paper, and they'd lob them across the room, and you'd be sleeping and, oh, that's not good. <laughs> Does it still work? Uh, it was a real discipline problem. I went on a went on a uh, to a celebrate life event and at Mount at, at Mount Vernon Nazarene College. We prepared prepared these kids for this regional event, and we had a group that was um, kind of an outreach group. Kids that were playing in a band, and they were real excited, new to new to the church, and. And several of the teens decided to take water balloons and fill them up with water and oatmeal. And they knocked on the door, and as soon as they opened the door, they lobbed these balloons into the room. And, of course, there was an oatmeal sticky mess everywhere. And, of course, I went in, and I, you know, I had to pull those guys in. And, you know, this doesn't happen on my watch. And, you know, trying to deal with this situation, I was not a happy camper. An hour later, they do it again. I'm furious. I mean, I'm just absolutely livid. And uh, so I, I go to the manager and talk to the manager and tell him what had happened. And, and uh, I said, I want you to inspect the room and whatever the costs are, whatever the damages are, they're responsible for this. So the manager walks through the room. He said, ah, we're going to replace that lamp. That's no big deal. So if we can wash those sheets and that comforter, he says, "Now nah, there's no charge." What? <laughs> charge them, charge them. I mean, I had this extreme discipline problem with this group, and I had to kind of rein that in. And finally, I met with the parents, and I met with the teens, and I talked to them about, you know, it's no fun being a youth pastor when you have to be a cop. God has called me to be your pastor, not your disciplinarian. And I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to play this game. Here's what's going to happen. And I had parents sign a, you know, the next retreat, and they made a commitment, and the kids signed this commitment. And, and we had eliminated all that foolishness. You see, kids were afraid to go on these retreats because they were afraid what, of what would happen to them. And we were able to stop that within that first year. But it was difficult. Um, I had another time where uh, kids were talking in a gym, uh, wood floor. It was our former sanctuary, but, you know, with teens on a wood floor and metal chairs, there's a lot of noise and racket, and you get 60, 70, 80 kids in a room. Uh, it's hard to hold their attention anyway. And they would often talk to one another, and, and I thought, you know, how can I deal with this? Well, I had a little... Young guy, he was probably an eighth grader. His name was Zach Litton. You remember Zach? And Zach was, he, he just liked to talk. You know, he was a good kid, but he just, he liked to talk. And, and so Zach would talk and talk and talk. And, and so finally I said to Zach, you know, today, tonight in Bible study, I want you to help me teach a lesson. Oh, oh, he's real excited about it. And I said, I'm going to start teaching the lesson, then I'm going to call you down and say, Zach, would you be quiet? Because you're going to talk like you always do, and so I'm going to call you on it. And, and, um, and then after 
I call you down, I want you to start talking again. And this time I'm going to walk a little towards you, a little proximity. Zach, would you please be quiet? I'm going to be really nice. And then the next time, after you start talking again, I'm going to move closer and I'm going to be a little firmer. Zach, I've asked you to be quiet. And then finally, I'm going to come to you after you talk again and I'm going to pick you up out of your seat and throw you down into your chair. And say, now, Zach, sit down and shut up. Oh, man, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. And so I began to teach the Bible study, and I began to teach the lesson. And, you know, Zach did his normal thing and began to talk. And I said, Zach, Zach, would you please be quiet? And he was quiet for a few minutes, and then he started again. I said, Zach, would you please be quiet? And I moved a little closer, and, and he started talking. And then the third time, and... And finally, I picked him up. And when I picked him up, I could see in the room his older brother, Matt, and his sister, Rachel, who had already been saying, Matt, shut up. Would you shut up? Matt stood up as if he was going to come and get me. (laughs) And I held my hand out to Matt. Matt, just sit down. You don't know what Zach and I know. We've done this together tonight. You see, I can make you sit down. I can make you obey. But if you don't choose to help me, it's fruitless. I can't accomplish anything unless you help me. I can't be your pastor. I can't be your leader unless you help me. And I appealed to their decency. I appealed to their hearts. You see, it was an issue of the heart. Often I would have parents come in to me and they would say, yeah, but he's a good boy. She's a good girl. And I would say, no, they're not good. They're evil. (laughs) It's an issue of the heart. They have a heart. I know what their problem is. It's a heart problem. Good girls and good boys don't do those things. They have a heart problem. And we need to deal with this issue of the heart. And in that discipline situation, I was dealing with the issue of the heart. I could make them sit down and be quiet. But what would be accomplished if they didn't choose to sit down? Choose to participate. So I appealed to their common decency. I respected them. And by showing them respect, they in turn respected me. There's that giving and taking. And it's understanding the the attitude of the heart. Matthew says... Find my place here. Matthew 18 says, But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Fornication, theft, which is simply greed. False witness, slander, which is driven by jealousy. You know, we say things to tear down other people to make ourselves feel better. I want to feel better about what I have, so I criticize you and what you have. It's an issue of the heart. We often say to ourselves, we we shouldn't say that, we shouldn't think that. And, And Jesus says, you're right, but you've learned to filter this in your life. But have you dealt with the issue of the heart? These are the things which defile the man. These are things which defile us. You see, our 
tendency is to monitor our behavior while pretty much ignoring the issues of the heart. The wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, um, he wrote Ecclesiastes and he wrote Proverbs. And he had insight on money and business and family and relationships and morality and ethics and poor people and rich people and poor and rich people working together and getting along together, how to approach a king. This guy wrote about every imaginable subject. He had insight far beyond his age. And even today, he is considered the wisest man who ever lived. And in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, this is what he says on the issue of the heart. Above all else, above all these other things that I've taught you, above all these other things that I've written, guard your heart. You see, we live, we parent, we relate, we confront, we react, we respond, we instruct, we manage, we problem solve in life. We love from the heart. Your words, your actions come from the heart. And Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Let me ask you tonight, how is your heart? For everything we do flows from it. And I'm going to close just with asking some questions. Is everything okay in your heart? You see, we need to learn to monitor our hearts. We need to listen to ourselves. For the mouth is a looking glass into our hearts. Sometimes we say things and, and instead of monitoring our behavior, we need to ask the Lord to cleanse our heart. Is everything okay in your heart? Are you mad at anybody? Are you waiting around for somebody to come to you to make things right? Have you an extended imaginary conversation with anybody lately? <laughs> We've all done that at times, I think. I said to her, and of course she never said it out loud. You just had that imaginary conversation. Do things come out of your mouth on a regular basis that you have to apologize for? Have you secretly celebrated someone else's failures? See, it's an issue of jealousy. Lord, help me not to be jealous or envious. Got any secrets eating at you? Anything going on that you hope nobody discovers? Have you lied recently to somebody that you love? How's your heart? You see, God calls us to more than self-monitoring monitoring behavior. He calls us to a life where we allow Him to transform us into His image. And when we hear ourselves say some things that we quickly say, that's not typical of me. Monitor your heart.
and ask the Lord, Lord, would you cleanse my heart? Would you give me a purity of heart and a purity of mind? And would you help me to be your instrument of grace to the world around me? Let's pray. Lord, help us to monitor our hearts. For out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Proverbs makes it very clear that the heart is a wellspring for life. And everything flows from it. Cleanse us, Lord. Renew us. Help us to be a people who seek you. Thank you, Lord, for the transforming power that is at work in us even now. Lord, I confess that I'm not there. I have my moments of jealousy and my moments of anger. I have my moments of fear, anxiety. I have my moments, Lord, where greed, guilt. And yet, Lord, when those moments arise, I pray, Lord, that I would not just simply monitor my behavior but that I would examine my heart and I would allow your transforming power and your grace to transform and renew my mind. That is our prayer tonight, Lord. And we pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. The Lord bless you. You're dismissed.